Hello and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic series Star Trek Deep Space Nine. With me as always is Peter Dency. How are you, Peter? I'm doing pretty well, despite the fact that it's November, but the sun is still out and it's about 80 degrees where I am because, you know, Mm -hmm. no logic. (laughs) And returning back to the States uh, from the far off land of Scotland, it is Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? Pretty good. Uh, Like Peter, I am also podcasting from Texas today where my computer says it is 85 degrees. And... uh, you know, coming back from a city where it has been, you know, in the 40s for the last week, that was a bit of a shock to the system. But it's fine. I think we're supposed to get a cold front later this week. Yeah, that's so what I heard too. That will be nice. Crossing my fingers. That would be nice. I'm over in California where it's 75 every day, all day. I hate you. <laughs> never. I honestly never could rains. deal with 75. That sounds really nice. And never rain. It's rained once recently, and I didn't know what to do with myself. I don't Apparently, know where my it rained are. a lot. In, it rained a lot in Fort Worth last week, but it only rained like one day out of the eight or nine days I was in Scotland. It was very bizarre. That's strange. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Go figure. Well, on this week's episode, we will be talking about season two, episode twenty and episode twenty-one. Which is a two-part episode of The Maquis. Yes, anyone familiar with Voyager knows very much about The Maquis, but this will be our introduction to the group. So, in part one, we begin by seeing a man in a Starfleet uniform delivering a device to a Cardassian ship leaving Deep Space Nine. The ship explodes, killing all on board. With fears that this will start a war with Cardassia, the Federation ship... Federation sends its local envoy, Captain Cal Hudson, a longtime friend of Sisko, to investigate the explosion. Hudson confides in Sisko the dissatisfaction that the humans the demilitarized zone have with the Cardassians, and that they are being persecuted, and believe the Cardassians are secretly arming themselves, and that the Federation is ignoring their plight. After talking with Hudson, Sisko goes back to his office to discover Gull Dukat, who snuck aboard DS9 unannounced. Ducat informs Sisko that he thinks something strange is happening, and he wants to secretly investigate the explosions. The two head to the demilitarized zone where a Federation ship is being fired on by Cardassian warbirds. Ducat orders them to stand down, but they ignore him. The Cardassian ships are then destroyed by a Federation vessel. Back on Deep Space Nine, Quark meets a Vulcan named Sakona, who asks him to secure weapons for her. The Cardassians get their hands on the saboteur and torture him to death. During a debate between the colonists and the Cardassians, the High Command gives over a confession of the, from the saboteur of his deeds, that he claims he blew up the vessel because it was smuggling weapons. O'Brien confirms that the explosion device was of Federation origins, while Ducat is captured by a group called the Maquis, one of its members being Sakona. Bashir, Kira, and Sisko track down the Maquis. They learn the lead of the group is none other than Commander Hudson. So... <sighs> Dun dun dun! <laughs> it's the one special guest in the episode. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> what do we think of this first part of the episode? Uh, well, before we we get into the actual episode, uh, watching this two part show made me realize two things. One, I need someone to make either like a parody spinoff series 
or at least just like make a reference to it in the show somewhere, which wouldn't have even been on purpose. But I need keeping up with the Cardassians to be a thing. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Please. I've seen many. Uh, there is a shirt I have seen, and there's many a Photoshop of. Uh, Good. Kim. Yes. <laughs> and uh, as well, I feel like for both of these episodes, again, we should have made it into a drinking game where we drink every time they say demilitarized. Now, normally this is not yeah. a word that you hear very often, but my God, I think I've heard it more watching these two episodes than I've heard it, you know, put together in the rest of my life. Like demilitarized, demilitarized zone, demilitarized. Like it was constant. Like, thank you for the uh, reminder once again. That that uh, drinking game would also work for the Bond film Die Another Day, which talks about the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea every oh, goddamn really? uh. second. <laughs> <laughs> The plot of that film is about a South Korean person who has bleached his face to look white, who wants to blow up all the landmines in between North and South Korea with a sun laser. And I said that as Sarah drank. I literally almost coffee. choked on my coffee. It's the worst Bond film, and it's <laughs> oh amazing. my god! It's oh also a scene horrible. where uh, uh, Bond escapes from a, uh, a melting ice hotel uh, on a parasail. <laughs> Oh, that's I remember that scene. Great. I was yeah, gonna say I'm not sure if I've seen that, but I have because I I remember. Ugh. <laughs> right. That's just great. Well, back to the the savvy back parasol to the, the task at hand. Yeah, where we're just doing demilitarized and no sun laser, so it's very boring. Uh, I'm just kidding. I enjoyed this episode. <laughs> Fair mind. It's mostly set up, but uh, I did enjoy all the conversations in particular about uh, sort of faction groups. I find. Both episodes dealing with the idea that a faction group can cause much bigger problems for both groups, which I think is very interesting. Right. That uh, a single sort of small subsidiary of people can cause both sides to want to stop them, which I think is very... It led to an interesting, tenuous uh, friendship, but eh, not a friendship, uh, more collaboration between Cisco and uh, Gold Dukat that I quite enjoyed. It was mm-hmm. a truce. That's essentially what it was. Just like truce for like, you know, five minutes. Cool. Totally. How did you feel about uh, Gold Ducat in this episode? Oh, he the the, the uh, he was de- he he was definitely playing playing his cards close to his chest uh, when when he when he joined Cisco um, when, when, he, when, he, when he when he joined Cisco to go to the demilitarized zone. Um, <laughs> um, especially when they especially when they showed up and and, and Cisco looks and Cisco looks at him he's like you knew about this right and he's like yep i did i just you know kind of wanted to be here to hear, be here for when you heard it and it's like damn it what are you hiding yeah uh i especially like the scene where goldacott shows up in his office and uh, Cisco wastes no time going like where's my son mm-hmm. where is he oh yeah what'd you do with him is he all right is he safe like uh, Cisco doesn't play around with goldacott's around which i think definitely shows the and then Jake's just checking out girls with Nog. Right, like, like the, the, the most mundane, normal thing. Kira's just like, don't worry. Like, if you, you hear Kira, like, chuckling when she reports back. She's like, don't worry about it. He's fine. I'll go back to my business. It's cool. He's just cool. being a teenage boy. Don't and Cisco, and Cisco's it. like, and you can just see in Cisco's face where he's like, you don't understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. For me, like... A lot of important things happened in this episode, and mm-hmm. I know this is not the last that we're going to see the Maquis. 
but I don't know. For me, this episode was just difficult to get into. Like, maybe mm-hmm. just because it was so much a table-setting episode. And I feel like maybe even these two episodes put together are table-setting for, you know, the rest of this show, which is going to have a lot more of the bajoran Cardassian conflict and whatever. And I, I know the Maquis are going to come back. They have to. Oh, yeah. Um, but... Nah, I don't. I don't know. The, 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 I, I can't say anything negative about it. I just wasn't really drawn in at any point. Well, that's fair. I think the. F- I think for me, what saves it is um, is Hudson. Is I think having a single sort of person conflict, who's sort of a leader who Cisco knows personally, which maybe is a cheat. I won't deny, but uh, I think having sort of this single person you can sort of follow with the Maquis makes it a little bit more investment for me. Maybe, but... deeper character story. There there was just something so obvious about when he showed up at the end and he's with the Maquis, I was like, and everyone oh, no is doubt. surprised by this. Right, and I'm, sit- and, I'm, and I'm sitting there watching, it's like, okay, he kind of had, like, don't trust me look on his face when you first meet him, and, like, and with, when, with the kind of conversation <laughs> that he was having with Cisco, he's, where he's saying, like, these people are not satisfied, and it's like, you know, it's like you're very you're, you're you are very aware of how the people feel like you're very aware of how the people feel for you to just be for you to like somehow for for for, for cisco to somehow think that you are still more or less neutral uh in like in in the in this little well not little in in in, the, in this in this particular conflict yeah and it definitely suffers from like i said guest guest actor syndrome which mm-hmm. is like oh who could it possibly be it's the it's the uh scooby-doo problem which is you know the one person you always meet who's a human in scooby-doo who's the guest star is always the yes. person who's later in the mask at the end of the episode if they would just go to the mask shop and review if they would just go to the mask shop in the first five minutes ask a couple of questions they'd be able to solve everything <laughs> in about two minutes exactly <laughs> I mean, and it, and it, and, it's, and it's and it's obviously not going to be Sakona because she's like, she, because 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 she because she's in the space station and Quark is following her around because you know because because it's his former lover. So it's, no, like, it's not his else? former lover, huh? He's just he he he's not his former lover, but he still set that shit up, which I got to give Quark super props for. Oh no, yeah, oh yeah, he totally set that up. Yeah, I love I like that a lot. Where he's like, you want to you know spend some time together, and she's like, hmm. Maybe. <laughs> I was like, well done, Quark. I find yeah. you intriguing, Quark. <laughs> High praise from a Vulcan. Yeah, you got like the most mad like game uh, from a Vulcan I've ever seen. Oh, I know. Yeah. Damn, Seriously. Quark. Good job. It was Good weird job, for me, Quark. though, because the, uh, the well, Sakona reminded me a lot of a girl I went to elementary school with. Oh. <laughs> it was it really bizarre. Like, my mom said at first I was watching this episode with her, and then, or, you know, she, she reminds me of so and so, and I looked just like, Actually, she really does. Like the more I watched, the more she looked like her. It was weird. It was very weird. <laughs> do, do how do you feel about this episode, Peter? Are you online with uh, Sarah on this one? Yeah, I, I would. I would have. I would have to agree. It was. It was. To, to to repeat what Sarah said, it was a lot of table setting, of like of of like put of putting putting the pieces where where they where they wanted to, so that they so that they can move forward. And it's like. And it's like, you, with 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 some of the with some of the groups that we've already been introduced to, you know that they're gonna come back. So it's like, so, so it's like, 
this this uh, this clearly isn't the end all episode for the Maquis, or or, or rather end all two parter for the Maquis. So it's like, how, so it's like, okay, well, let us get to the end so we can like so we can speculate after that where we're gonna go with this whole where we're gonna go with this whole conflict. I actually there was one part where um, when Ducat was abducted by the Maquis and they were taking him to that airlock, I actually thought they were going to kill him. Oh yeah, totally. like, wait a minute, they're taking him to an empty airlock. Clearly yeah. they're going to just throw him out into space. And then I was almost a little bit disappointed when that didn't happen. Mm. It was like this would have been so interesting if they had killed one of the major Cardassian figures. Yeah, I wanted there to be like a legitimate risk to them, like just offing him right then and there. Like I wanted to be like, like I mean, I mean, gra- I mean granted, he's still a Cardassian, so you're so you know you're always wary of him, and you go, you don't kind of trust him. But I wanted there to be that risk where it's like, is this gonna happen? Is this gonna be a thing? Mm-hmm. It's only season two. Holy shit. <laughs> but I guess it is only season two, right? So yeah. I can't up the stakes that also high true. just yet. Also true. Cisco doesn't have his yeah, beard I, yet. I, I think I like this episode more than you guys, but I do agree that maybe there's just not enough of a threat post from the Maquis yet. Mm-hmm. In that it's mostly sort of this nebulous. I mean, I think it is interesting in the way that we keep talking about this possible incoming war. And that I do think that it's interesting that they set up the Maquis have actual legitimate issues with the Federation, which I find very interesting. And I yeah. think it's interesting also to have a a human group to oppose the uh, Federation for once, which is nice. It's like Federation almost always goes up against uh, other hostile alien species, you know, like right. the, uh, like the Klingons in the original, like the Borg, like the Romulans sometimes. Uh, so I think it is interesting to have sort of a split off group that has sort of legitimate grievances with the Federation be sort of addressed in a very interesting, uh, realistic way. I guess part of the problem is just we don't really see these badlands or these people. So it all just has to be kind of taken on faith that some of these right. things are happening, which is where I can understand where it does. The emotional connection doesn't really come in as much because a ship full of people we never see gets blown up and a guy we barely meet gets tortured to death off screen and there isn't as much like sort of on direct consequences as of yet the pacing felt a little bit choppy to me in this episode as well like i don't know if that was just me but occasionally i had a little bit of trouble like following exactly what was happening it just seemed like they would cut to something new really quickly in a scene and i didn't have time to process like the other stuff they were talking about i don't know I, uh, bear in mind, I also watched these two episodes on my first two days back from being in Europe. So jet lag has been a factor. And I actually watched <laughs> part two about three times because I kept falling asleep as I was oh, trying Sarah. to watch it. <laughs> Which, like, it was in the middle of the day and that shouldn't have been a problem. But because I had been traveling all day on Monday and then, you know, last night at 7 p.m., my body thought it was one in the morning and just... Yeah. Mm, I'll tell you what, man. The the the, the jet lag back is worse because when I got to UK, I, so. I just was like stayed up. I was like, I stay up to this time, and I go to sleep. Now it's totally fine. Yeah. Here, it took like four fucking days. It's mm. crazy. I don't know what it is, but somehow coming back to the other way, my body just did mm. not agree with that at all. Yeah, when I got back on Monday, I was asleep before like ten o'clock, and I woke up at about six in the morning, which is just really odd for me to wake up that early on my own 
<laughs> but anyway, yes, the Maquis. Well, let's uh, move on then to part two, so we can talk about the whole thing. But obviously, anything you want to bring up for part one, obviously, still on the table. So, in part two, we begin with Cisco and Hudson butting heads over the Cardassian and the demilitarized zone. Uh, Hudson feels the Starfleet abandoned the colonists there and ignoring the Cardassian weapon smuggling, while Cisco feels that Hudson is throwing away his career to start a needless war. The Maquis stun the crew and escape. When Sisko is back on DS9, he learns that Odo has discovered that Quark has been selling weapons to the Maquis, unknowns to Quark. One of the heads of Central Command, Legat Parn, arrives on DS9 to inform Sisko that the Cardassians have indeed been smuggling weapons, but that it was all Dukat's fault. A blatant lie, of course, to scapegoat Dukat. Sisko, Bashir, Odo... And Odo save Dukat from the Maquis and tell one of the soldiers that they will resolve the issue with the Maquis and Hudson peacefully if Hudson will agree. When they reveal to Dukat that he is being set up, he reveals he does know the Cardassians are smuggling weapons through another species called the Zeppelites. They capture a Zeppelite freighter as proof of these smugglings. Meanwhile, Sakona, now captured, reveals that the Maquis plan to blow up a weapons depot. Sisko meets with Hudson, bringing Hudson's old uniform and pleading for him not to attack the depot and come back to Starfleet. Hudson refuses to give up and vaporizes his old uniform with his phaser. The DS9 crew wait for Hudson's attack, and once again Hudson does not give in. After a brief firefight, Sisko is able to disable Hudson's weapons. Dukat demands Sisko kill Hudson, but Sisko lets him escape. Later, Sisko wonders if he prevented a war or just delayed one. Well, to that I will say, well, well, to that I will say, as far as preventing or delaying, I think he, I, I think whether or not he had done what Dukat, what Dukat wanted, is like kill him, like kill him, like kill, kill Hudson. Cisco would have been damned if he did and damned if he didn't because exactly, yeah, because because the mindset, the philosophy, the beliefs of the Maquis was always was was already pretty much set. The the, the main the main re- the main reason for Hudson being there uh, as far as the as far as the episode as far as they are and the episode is concerned is to it, it was was for Cisco to have a personal have was to have like a, like a much more personal objection to what the maquis were doing but all, but but all, but also but also as a now ex federation uh, officer to 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 to, to kind of further legitimize their cause where um uh, instead of it being just civilians who were fi- who were who were fighting for who were fighting for fi- fighting fighting for this they, they they now they now had someone who was who was previously actually part of the establishment that they that they that they so oppose so it's like so it's like if Hudson, if Hudson had died, he basically would have just become a martyr, and w- and would and would have served as served as even more reason for them to fight. But with him alive now, but 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 even with him alive, Hudson can be like, okay, well, you know, we we got out of that, we got out of that shithole. Let's now let's let's now rally together and come back stronger. Totally, I totally agree, and I think this does end in a very interesting uh, area. And I think it's interesting also possibly to have a recurring antagonist is always good for a show. Yeah. I always wonder um, <clears throat> the possible alternate version of TNG where uh, uh, Patrick Stewart, forgot his name for a second there, <laughs> uh, did not renew his contract and was a bad guy, a recurring bad guy for the rest of the show, which was sort of the possible plan for him mm-hmm. uh, if he didn't renew his contract with the Borg episode. Um, so it's always interesting to have a possible returning villain, which is unique. 
Uh, though there's probably just maybe like one too many scenes of him saying the same thing over and over again. Because this yeah. episode did have like three scenes in a row of like, don't do it. I'm going to do it. But you shouldn't do it. I'm still I'm still going to do but it. But please don't. But I'm going to do but it. But seriously, don't do it. But yeah, I'm going to. I said, dude, I, said, dude, I already told you. I'm, I'm pretty committed. I've, I've made my decision. I'm, I'm going to do it. But don't do it, dude. I've told you three times already. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Can you like not do it though? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. That's the show. <laughs> that, was yeah, that was basically this episode. But dude, can you like please not? Can you can you not? <laughs> but bro, what? I gotta. <laughs> Come on, bro. Don't do it. <laughs> what if we did this for fifteen more minutes and then <laughs> and we'll basically have the episode. <laughs> Well, I think we did some interesting stuff in this. Uh, I particularly thought it was in- uh, another interesting twist that the Cardassians sold out Gold Ducat, which is very interesting. You get a nice moment from Gold Ducat where his ego is sort of taken down a peg, which is kind of fun, where he's sitting on DS9 pissed off that he lost some power and lost some face and is trying to figure out how to regain it. I thought that was a really interesting sort of moment from a person we've seen and feared in the past to kind of be reduced down. It's very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I really wanted Odo to gloat more when he had Quark locked up because yes. I was like, this is what you've been waiting for Literally. for the last like season and a half. And, you know, I, he was kind of pleased about it and he was smirking a little, but I wanted him to be more like, I got you finally. <laughs> How does Quark get away with this one? Like, good Lord, weapon smuggling. That has to be like treasonable offense <laughs> that has to be able to put someone in a brig for longer than an episode for once mm-hmm. like i know he didn't know zamaki but he sold weapons to people yeah. <laughs> gun smuggling that's a big upcharge from like the usual like i ah, had to get him this thing or some drugs or something right i mean it's, yeah because mm-hmm. because it's like because it's like if, if he if he wanted to use the whole argument of i didn't know i was selling to the maquis then we can go Way back to season one, the epi- the ep- with, with the episode of the Nagus, where, where where it was pretty much established between the Ferengi, it's like ignorance is not an excuse. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting, interesting. I tell you what, though, I was really impressed with uh, Quark's uh, logic when he was trying to tell Sakana that you know now is the time to negotiate because mm. nobody has weapons or whatever. It, I forget exactly what he said, but when he was done, I was like. That was actually really logical and like right. pro peace and yeah. how did you, I? I mean, good job, <laughs> but how? <laughs> I like that Quirky. Yeah, seems to understand the Vulcan people very well. So mm-hmm. he was able to seduce her in one scene and then logic her out of out of another scene, which is very yeah. interesting. It says the Ferengis are somewhat formidable against uh, Vulcans, which is quite fascinating. Indeed. If they just weren't so focused on profits, then they might be able to like lit- then they might be able to stand more closer closer to being toe to toe with the Vulcan. Who know? Who knows? Yeah. We also get an interesting couple things with Cardassians. We learn that they have uh, photographic memories. Yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, which, uh, when and flying uh, the ship. Golda Cat was able to resist the mind meld, which yes. was kind of impressive. Yeah, so apparently they are trained in, in sort of interrogation techniques and uh, which would well, which would make which would make which would make <laughs> sense consi- consider, considering how many times like considering how many times like we 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 we've, we've either been we've either had them gloat or you've been like kind of told yeah Cardassians and interrogation you don't want to go there 
Yeah, yeah. And we see a little bit more of that with the guy who got killed. Yeah. And uh, yeah. almost certainly got tortured to death, which is very interesting. And again, we're bringing that up. I need to read more about um, O'Brien's history with the Cardassians because it's brought up a lot, but apparently it's from a different source than I thought it was just from him learning about Picard, but apparently he actually like, directly fought the Cardassians at one point oh, huh. okay. and may have been actually captured at some point. Four lights! This. Sorry. So, so <laughs> Four lights! So O'Brien is a low-key badass. O'Brien's always a badass. Uh, this is true, actually, yeah. <laughs> what am I saying? The best dad in the universe. Yes. Basically. <laughs> so yeah, it was interesting to see some more about the Cardassian people and sort of follow the way that they sort of scheme even within their own organizations and the way they have Goldukat be a scapegoat, but when he sort of saves the day at the end, he can go back to his old command and they all kind of pretend like it didn't happen. Which I thought was very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Knowing that you're being... No, knowing that you are... No, knowing that at any given point any any one any one person who like who has some kind of authority can be can be like all, like almost immediately surrounded by people who like just want him gone it's kind of, it's kind of it's kind of like it's kind of like a caesar complex where it's like a2 brutus even you it's like yeah even me dude you you fucked up we want you out <laughs> uh, i wanted to point out that the badlands on wikipedia is a lot bigger than i realized and oh, encompasses a lot of things that we have seen in other uh, places. It includes the wormhole, or the apparently it's called the Bajoran Einstein Rossen Bridge, is also known the other title for it. <laughs> but sure. Okay. Uh, the Briar Patch in Star Trek Insurrection, which okay. is oh, right. where they go into the the nebula to avoid people. Uh. There's a lot of stuff from the uh, Star Trek Enterprise takes place in there. The uh, Galactic Barrier from Star Trek V is in there, where they go through to meet God, quote-unquote. Yeah. So, the Badlands is a big place with a lot of interesting stuff inside of it. Okay. Either either that or they were just either that or they were just like just 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 put it all put it all in there just just everything <laughs> is the Badlands everything is the Badlands everything mm-hmm. the, all the neutral zones have parts in the Badlands too of course Romulan Klingon and Cardassian neutral zones are all in there as well has anyone made like an interstellar map of the Star Trek universe Sarah Sarah think that's of the a show stupid question about. of course they have I made have hundreds are you seen... kidding me <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have seen one or two, but okay. there, there's a ton, of course. Oof, goodness gracious. And some, I, I remember in one review of Star Trek 2009, they were like, uh, uh, oh, Vulcan is experiencing waves from near Romulus. And then they show, like, Vulcan's here. And then he goes way out there to go to Romulus. <laughs> He's like, and uh, nowhere else in between? Or <laughs> you know? Hey. Just they- to kind of point out uh, they just nerdiness. Ha- and- they just happen to be, you know, monitoring that area at that per- at that specific time. And <laughs> yeah. they're like, oh, should we go help them? Yeah, I might as well. Go ahead. He dropped a lot of nerd shade in the review. There was one part where they're like, uh, oh, where's he watching this uh, Vulcan being destroyed? Is it on a Vulcan moon? And then it cuts to us. <laughs> Spock going, Vulcan has no moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Nerd shade. I never thought of that nerd. being a thing. It, oh, it totally. was nerd shade. It was a real thing. 
One thing I thought was interesting was watching uh, um, Firefight. This is like sort of our biggest, as I mentioned before, a lot of these firefights in DS9 have been done through sort of blips on the computer screen, including a late er, earlier one in this episode with the uh, Federation vessel mm-hmm. destroying the Kardashian ships. But this time we actually see a little bit of action, which the show is later known for. So it's another first brief glimpse of the CGI battles. How do you feel? It's just a minor skirmish, but... How would you rate it so far? I wasn't that impressed, which maybe isn't really fair, considering that the show was made in the early 90s and CGI hadn't really gotten very good yet. Yeah, that's true. Um, I uh, I don't know. I didn't really think about it being a thing or a prelude to a thing, and I mean, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, granted, Ben, with with you with you with you saying with you saying um, how how like like this is the first of, of, of what of, of what becomes more in, in in the coming episodes in the coming seasons. I, I'm I'm gu- I'm guess I'm guessing that they that 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 when they decided to do it do this instead of just instead of it just being blips like which we've seen previously, they were like, okay, we have an idea, let's test it out and see how it goes. And so th- and so that's probably why it wasn't like super impressive because they were like because they were still trying to figure out you know how far can we push it to for it to still be like believable and like and have it like actually work on screen yeah i could see that it was just interesting to me that it was expanded more than we've seen right. before since so much of the show is very interior based and tng never really had too many sort of battles right you remember mostly just sort of meetups and talking and conflicts mm-hmm. and things like that and a few shots fired yeah, the card was it. very good at de-escalating a situation before it came oh, to yeah. a firefight well this is a show that's known about for its battles and so gotcha. i think it's interesting to watch sort of the uh, progression of them as we go along and how we feel about how they look because so far the action has felt very stilted to me so far but i oh yeah for sure star trek and they've never been an action show <laughs> until the the abrams uh films yeah, until 2009 mm-hmm so. <laughs> So, which is also going to be a problem because it's just like, well, those were action movies, so of course they had better action. <laughs> so it's right. hard to com- have to not compare them to those, yeah. and just sort of compare them to the rest of Star Trek in general. Anything else to talk about for the Maquis? I was a little bit surprised that uh, when I think it must have been at the end of, of part one uh, when Kira was talking about this rebel group, and she said they they go by. They're, they're calling themselves the Maquis. For some reason, it surprised me that she hadn't heard of that before. Which, I don't know. Sure. If she's, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I knew, I knew about the Maquis from Voyager. Uh, that being said, it's been a few years since I've watched Voyager, so I don't really remember the context in which they were presented there. Um, well, this this episode is first with the Maquis. Okay. All right. That makes yeah. more sense. So they appear in this. They appear in the penultimate episode of TNG, which comes out a few weeks after this. Oh, and then TNG ends, and then Voyager begins, and then Got a it. big part of Voyager as well as okay. the show. Yeah. Okay. So now, now it does make sense. Okay. Just make sure we all know the timeline. Yeah. And there's a big. Uh, if you look at like Maki storylines, I'll find the website while I'm talking. Uh, there's someone who is basically found every maki storyline as well as every like sort of tangentially related maki storyline <laughs> oh wow nice and uh has made a whole sort of uh uh website about it i'll put it in like the end of the show or something like that but okay. uh yeah it's pretty interesting all right so our next episodes will be 
season two, episode twenty-two, "The Wire," which is a Garrick-centric episode. Garrick. Yes. A uh, season two, episode twenty-three, which is crossover. But once again, this is a continuation of an original series story. It is the return, the first return in Star Trek since the original series of the Mirror Universe. So. Not only will we have to watch crossover, I believe we will also have to watch Mirror Mirror, the TOS episode that first introduces the Mirror Universe to us, Season 2, Episode 4. So that will be your homework. So we have three episodes to watch for next week. Is everyone all right with that? Okay. Can do. All right. Well, in the meantime, I want to thank everybody, my crew, my lovely, loyal, always on board crew for following me on this lovely journey, Peter and Sarah. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. Tuscan Shed Media Network podcasts with a lot of heart and a lot of wine. I keep fucking that up. <laughs> I'm going to get it right one day. I mean, technically, it's true. I mean, technically, it's, it's like still a lot true. Of it's like a modern. You're supposed to build. I get why the tagline is there, but I'm just dumb. Yeah, a little heart love. If you like this show, <laughs> if you like this show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It does help us find new listeners. Until next time, this is a crew of Geek Space Nine uh, signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>